Psalm 84, Charles Spurgeon would say this is the sweetest of all the psalms, maybe the greatest of all the psalms, maybe next to Psalm 23. It says this, to the choir master, according to the Giddeth, a psalm of the sons of Korah. How lovely is your dwelling place, O Lord of hosts. My soul longs, yes, faints for the courts of the Lord. My heart and flesh sing for joy to the living God. Even the sparrow finds a home and the swallow a nest for herself where she may lay her young at your altars, O Lord of hosts, my King and my God. Blessed are those who dwell in your house, ever singing your praise. Blessed are those whose strength is in you, whose heart is the highways to Zion. As they go through the valley of Baca, they make it a place of springs. The early rain also covers it with pools. They go from strength to strength, each one appearing before God in Zion. O Lord God of hosts, hear my prayer. Give ear, O God of Jacob, behold our shield, O God. Look on the face of your anointed, for a day in your courts is better than a thousand elsewhere. I would rather be a doorkeeper in the house of my God than to dwell in the tents of wickedness. For the Lord God is a sun and shield. The Lord bestows favor and honor. No good thing does he withhold from those who walk uprightly. No good thing does he withhold from those who walk uprightly. O Lord of hosts, blessed is the one who trusts in you. I want to talk about the blessed life to begin this year. Who would like a blessed life in 2022? I want to talk about this blessed life. God help, strengthen, form, transform in the strong name of Jesus today. And everybody said... Amen. You can shout out to someone in the chat if you're there in the chat. And if you're here, I want to talk about these, this blessed life. As the year was coming to a close, I found myself scrolling through social media, and I was especially fascinated by this hashtag, hashtag blessed. There are songs called blessed. There are hashtags about blessed. And I was fascinated to see what did people put on YouTube when they were saying they were blessed, or what did people put on their Instagram account when they said that they were blessed. In other words, I wanted to know, what does our world, what does our culture seem to think about when we think about being blessed? And as you might imagine, being blessed typically meant I just bought a house. Here's the keys to my new house, hashtag blessed. Here are the keys to my new car, hashtag blessed. Here's the keys to my girl's heart, hashtag blessed. I just got engaged, hashtag blessed. I just got pregnant, hashtag blessed. I just got something good, hashtag blessed. I just got a bonus, hashtag blessed. There were all of these hashtag blessed. Someone's at the gym and they say, I just finished my 52nd week of, of exercising like I've never exercised. And I'm not saying this to boast. I'm just showing you a picture of me in front of a mirror looking really cut and firm because I'm hashtag blessed. And so you got the idea of what it meant to be blessed, at least in our culture's mind, is to be blessed means that you've got stuff that other people would like to have, that you've got something that other people wish perhaps that they did have. Now the problem with it is, of course, people go get married, but you and I have been around long enough to know if you're old enough, you've seen the same people that got married, that they were hashtag blessed in their marriage. After a little while, they were hashtag cursed, staying in that marriage is how it felt, and so they needed to get out. Or someone got a car that was a hashtag blessing that turned into a hashtag cursing. Or somebody was, you know, at the beginning of the season was really happy with it, however their team was doing, and they said hashtag blessed. By the end of their season, they said hashtag some kind of emoji that shows cussing and you're not going to say it. Because the very things that we look to to bless us end up disappointing us, maybe even breaking our hearts. 
I've heard parents say, I wish I would have made different choices. I've heard spouses say, I wish I would have made different choices. I've, I've heard people say about the very things that at one point they said was a blessing. Years later, sometimes even only months later, they look back and it's not the same thing. And I would submit to you that we have, as a people are so prone to be disappointed because we look for blessing in the wrong places. I'm not against being blessed with, by God with things. There's nothing wrong with that. But when we read this psalm, I love that in three places, this word gets repeated. In verse four, it says, blessed are those who dwell in your house. In verse five, he says, blessed are those whose strength is in you. And then finally down in verse 12, he says, O Lord of hosts, blessed is the one who trusts in you. The key clause here is in you. Blessed is the man whose strength is in you. Blessed is the woman who dwells in you. Blessed is the one who trusts in you. This is all I'm gonna try to say today. And and this is a message of blessing, but I'm not gonna lie to you. This is also, this is my vision for the next 21 days of our fast and prayer time that we have as a church. Some people have asked me, Mike, what's your purpose in fasting? I'm gonna tell you my purpose in fasting, really, I've got three purposes even over these next 20 days that we have left that are really gonna be go along with these points. I would also submit to you that these are keys to how we and you could live a blessed life this year. Blessed, blessed, blessed. Who still wants to be blessed? Here's the whole sermon today. The people who see the blessing are the people who seek God. The people who see blessing are the people who seek God. So how do we do this? I got three thoughts. Number one, develop a habit of dwelling in his presence. Now again, I'm, I'm gonna try to make a case for the fact that those who see the blessing are those who seek the Lord. That's all I'm gonna try to say. Starting with this first point in verse four, blessed are those who dwell in your house. Now before I get too much into this, I, I, I Rarely do you just go before there's a verse. I'm going to preach to you first starting in, it says, this is a psalm of the sons of Korah. Now, usually we just kind of pass over when we're reading a psalm or reading something like this, and we pass over what might be the authorship, but it's a very fascinating authorship to me because the question I had was, who are the sons of Korah, and do they ever show up in the Bible before chapters like this one? And I got to tell you that usually when we think of the Psalms, we think about David, we think about Asaph, but here we have the sons of Korah, and it's kind of fascinating because we do find the sons of Korah earlier because in number 16, the book of Numbers, chapter 16, there's a guy named Korah. Now, you may remember Korah was of the same tribe as Moses and Aaron were. So Moses was leading the people of Israel, and he was leading them into the promised land, but things were not always going well, and Moses was exalted. Moses was the leader. He was the humblest man on the earth, the meekest man there ever was, and yet Korah was rebellious, and he sort of usurped the authority of Moses and Aaron, and he looked at them, and he's like, man, why are they getting to do this stuff? Because just before this, Moses had said, all of God's people are holy, and he's like, well, if all of us are holy, then all of us should have the same authority that you do, and specifically, Aaron was getting special privileges as the high priest. Aaron was like the high priest, and Korah was a priest. He was one of the priests, and he leads a rebellion with which 20, 250 people follow Korah in his rebellion. 
Now, God sees this, and Moses sees this. Moses looks at him, he's like, Korah, what is your problem? Like, don't do this. And, and Korah, with 250 other people, raises up, rebels against Moses and Aaron, and Moses is like, this is not good. And he looks at him, he says, was it too small a thing that you were a priest that gets to minister in the tabernacle? Because he had access to the tabernacle. He says, was it too small a thing that, that you're a priest? But you couldn't just be a priest, you had to be the high priest. And it's, and it's always a dangerous thing to look at what other people are getting into. When you, it's always dangerous when you see the way that God uses other people to compare to a, about the way that God maybe uses you or to when you see the blessings on other people's life or the calling on other people's life to not feel very blessed even though you've got access to the very tabernacle of God. And of course, if you know the story, the Bible tells us what happens in their rebellion God ends up deciding to, sh- to make a warning out of them, and he opens up the ground. The ground swallows them up, and him and his, his household and 250 people, they all perish because of their rebellion against God and his leadership. Now, it's an interesting story, but it's, it's sort of a sad, grim story until you get about 10 chapters later, and it says 10 chapters later, and it, it mentions once again these things that are going on, and it says this, and it's the first time these guys are mentioned because it says in them, it says, but the sons of Korah did not die, and they were mentioned in the census that's mentioned 10 chapters later in the book of Numbers that's mentioning these people. Now you could say, what's the significance? The significance is this. In an age where people almost always followed their fathers, when a father named Korah was rebelling against God, there were some children that said, Daddy, I love you. Daddy, I'm with you. Daddy, I thank God for you. But Daddy, when you don't follow God, I don't follow you. And they backed off and they said, we are not with him. And so Korah got his people and, and he had 200, he was a leader that somehow mustered up the leadership chutzpah to be able to get 250 people to follow him. But the sons of Korah did not follow him and the sons of Korah did not die. And the name of Korah becomes a byword for rebellion. But what I love about this story is by the time you get to the book of Psalms, we now have the Holy Scriptures being written. And before we even get to what Charles Spurgeon would call the the greatest maybe of all the Psalms, first you need to know who wrote it, which was the sons of Korah, which means whatever is going on and whatever happened with these people, these Gentlemen, these gentle ladies, this family decided to not be defined by the mistakes of their father's past. They were defined by their pursuit of God himself. Let, Let me break down some great news for you. I don't know what mistakes your father made, your mother made, or you made. If you today will choose to seek the Lord and to get into his presence, your life and your destiny in the very name that you bear shifts when you begin to seek the Lord. Isn't that amazing news? The sons of Korah that could have been known. What I'm telling you right now is when I hear the word Korah now, I don't first remember what that rebellious man did. I now remember what these, and they don't even put their first names. It's not like Michael, last name Korah, you know. It's not like Billy Bob Korah. It's not like Judah Ben Korah. They just say the sons of, this is a psalm of the sons of Korah. And I love the fact that the very name that was known as a curse became a blessing. And if you want blessing, what I'm telling you is those who see the blessing are those who seek the Lord. Listen to to what this family got known for. Verse 1, how lovely is your dwelling place, O Lord Almighty. Let's just break this down. We look for blessing in all the wrong places. 
It's not that there are not beautiful byproducts of God's blessing. It is a blessing to have a child, and it is a blessing to get engaged. It is a blessing to have a vehicle to drive. It is a blessing to to have a roof over your head. What I'm telling you, though, is blessed are those who dwell in your house, verse 4 says. There's nothing like the presence of the Lord. What, what we're, what's being described here by these sons of Korah is a, this is a pilgrimage psalm. It's a psalm of the sons of Korah talking about being in one place, and they're longing for this other place. They're about to describe this journey of going up to the tabernacle or going up to the temple, which was the place where God's presence was manifested. And these guys are saying, I'm in one place, but I'm longing for another. I long for the presence of God. And I want to say real clearly, there is a theological truth that God is omnipresent, that God is everywhere. And yet, though God is everywhere, God's manifest presence is actually something precious and wonderful. And it it manifested in the tabernacle, it manifested in the temple. And I don't know if you've ever been like this, but recently I was was at the gym and I was just kind of working out. I'm listening to something. And and as I'm listening to like, it it was like the dwell app and just kind of listening to some scriptures, all of a sudden it felt as if the presence of God had come. And this is sort of a weird thing to say, but I'm like, I'm, I'm being over taken and I kind of had to like I'm I'm sitting there with my headphones on I had to go and find a stall of a bathroom and I just got on my knees and I'm like Jesus you are here right now I was like I was hoping there's no cameras in the bathroom because they would be like what is this crazy preacher doing I was going to say hey I'm a Mormon that's what I would have said you know no no just because there's something about the presence of the Lord have you experienced that have you experienced when, when God's presence manifested in some way that you're like, oh, that you could, can you say like the sons of Korah, how lovely, Hermosa, how, how lovely is your dwelling place. My soul longs, yes, faints for the courts of the Lord. My heart and my flesh sing for joy to the living God. One of the purposes of fasting is that you deny yourself some earthly pleasures to access higher pleasures. There is a truth in which when you fast, you cannot put your finger on it, but there's a way in which your spiritual hunger gets stirred up. I don't know how to explain this. It's not a science. I can't quite... I can't quite just... It's kind of like God's presence. I don't know how to define God's presence, but I can tell you when it's not there. Often. I can't tell you how many church services I've been a part of, how many Bible studies I've walked in, and, and the Bible was true, and the words were technically accurate, but it was as dry as a bone, and there was a sense of the presence of God that wasn't yet there. What I want to ask you is, do you long for God's presence? Could you imagine a life like these sons of Korah, where they were saying, oh, what we long for, we've experienced something that we long for this. During the holidays, we had holiday meals, and there were several times we had, how many of you ate a lot over the holidays? Anybody eat a lot? And there's, you know, you're making a big meal, and on a couple of occasions, the, the, the meal was going to start later than I, you're thinking it's going to start, and so everyone's putting all this time in. And the problem with the holidays is not only do you have your meal meal, but you've got all these snacks. Did everyone have, like, lots of snacks and cookies and, and st- all, just all the stuff, right? And, and I remember there was a couple times over the break where... I found myself in not willing to wait for the main food. I snacked on some like, I don't know, like 
Cheetos or something like a chip or something. And, and you keep on, and there's nothing worse than when you're hungry to get around junk food, right? Now there is, there's some meat and potatoes that's coming and that's the stuff you love. Those are the high, I mean, let's just be honest. If you could have some really good Puerto Rican chicken and rice or you can have a Ruffles potato chip, what would you choose? You're gonna choose la comida boricua. You're gonna choose the, the Puerto Rican food, right? But in our inability sometimes to wait, we fill up on something else. And when my wife says, Michael, buen provecho, that means it's time to eat, enjoy your mood, your meal when she says this. And she's like, what, why aren't you moving quickly toward the food? I'm like, oh, no, no, let everybody eat first. She's like, okay, that doesn't feel like you're just being leaders, let others eat first. It feels to me like, wait, wait, you're, why are you nibbling on your, did you fill up on something else? Your, your kids ever done that to you? You ever taken your kids to a nice restaurant and they ate like 18 pieces of bread and then when the real food came, they didn't eat it and you're like, no, you're gonna eat this food and you will enjoy it. Sometimes we're not hungry for the Lord because we filled up on junk food. One of the purposes of a fast is that you, you just fill up on less junk food. What I'm telling you is it's kind of hard to be scrolling through social media for 45 minutes and then the next minute to go, man, how lovely is your tabernacle. I long for your presence, oh God. Sometimes, there's nothing wrong with social media. There's most of it. There's nothing wrong with enjoying a lot. Of, there's nothing wrong with a potato chip. What I'm saying is there is something wonderful about an empty stomach that longs for something that is delicious. And what these guys, what the sons of Korah are saying is, I long for your presence. I talked to someone recently, I said, what do you long for? This is what this man told me. He said, Pastor Mike looked at me with tears in his eyes. He said, I desire to desire God again because I have not desired him in a long time. And it's like pain in your soul. When you, don't have, when you can't feel pain, that's a danger sign. Number one, develop a, a habit of dwelling in his presence. The sons, of course, said, blessed are those who dwell in his house. This is just a fact. This is just a fact. When you, this, the New Testament word would be abide. When you abide in the Lord, there's just a blessing that comes. When I come into his presence, I am different. Husbands, you are different when you've been in the presence of God. Wives, you are different when you've been in the presence of God. Parents, you, are, you correct differently when you've been in the presence of God compared to when you're just irritable because of the holidays and the traffic and what's going on and the news. When, you know what a lot of us need? Some of us, before we have our next crucial conversation, need to just go dwell in the presence of the Lord. Microchurches sometimes need to look at someone and just kind of whisper, send someone a, a secret text message and say, hey brother, it sounds like you need to go dwell in the presence of the Lord for a little while. I could be off, but it sounds like that might be some really good therapy for you right now. We've got no problem telling someone, oh, you've had COVID, go get out in the go get some fresh air, go get out in the sun. There's some of us that have spiritual COVID and someone needs to say, you need to go get some sunlight. Can I get an amen? Develop a habit of dwelling in the presence of God. Do you have God's presence in your home? It comes from dwelling, from abiding. 
Do you have God's presence? How about your business? One of the men in our church named John, he's, he's got a business and he had some major decisions to make. And before he was, he's got these friends from around the country that he, they, whenever they're doing something significant, he got on the phone, got a hold of all of them. He said, I need you guys to fly in. And they flew in for several days to seek the Lord together hours a day to walk over to the property that he was taking a look at and to pray for the favor of God and the will of God to be done in his business. I have a feeling the presence of God is going to dwell on that man's business. If you're a leader in a business or an owner of a business or if you're a manager, if you lead people, what if you invited God this year before you did anything else? What if when you got home today, you went to your house and you said, in my house this year, we want it to be a place that it reflects the courts of the Lord, that when people walk into this house, they sense the presence of God. I pray this all the time over this property, just so you guys know. When I pull on this property, I say, Lord, when people drive up this property, let them feel your presence. Let cancers be healed and depression get alleviated and headaches dissipate. When people leave, let them get their sleep and their rest and their peace back. Last night we had a prayer meeting and there was a, just scores of people that were out here just calling upon the Lord to say, God, we, we love. Number one, develop a habit of dwelling in his presence. Number two, if you, if you want to be one of those who see the blessing by seeking God. Number two, prepare your heart to endure difficulty. Prepare your heart to endure. Now, the, the key word here is endure. If I was talking about fasting, the first thing I would say with fasting is I fast to have extra time to dwell or abide In my fasting, part of what happens in fasting is you humble yourself and weep. In verse five, it says, blessed are those whose strength is in you, whose heart, in whose heart are the highways to Zion, or they've they've set their heart on pilgrimage as they go through the valley of Baca. Now, what you need to understand is that that we've we've gotten strong in a lot of other things other than God. When he says, blessed are those whose strength is in you. Some of us are stronger in cryptocurrency than we are in the Bible. Some of us are stronger in sports statistics than we are in the Bible. I'm not trying to throw shade. What I'm trying to say is, it's just a fact. Blessed are those whose strength is in you. Like the other day, I was talking to someone, and I was breaking out some like old school baseball statistics. I'm very, they're like, whoa, you are strong in statistics. I'm like, oh man, I am. I would sure like to be strong in the Lord. Blessed are those whose strength is in you. In the New Testament, it says, be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. Now, part of the way that strength in God comes is by willingness to wean off of the strength of other things. This, it's interesting when he says, blessed are those who pass through the valley of Baca. The word for Baca in Hebrew comes from a word that means weeping. Blessed are those who pass through the valley of Baca. They, they go through the valley of weeping. They're, they're willing to endure this valley of weeping. There is a strength that comes, and, and weeping gets you strong. But what happens is this. When you enter into the valley of Baca, when you are willing to enter into the valley of weeping, let me use Jesus' words. Blessed are those who mourn, for they shall be comforted. When you're willing to go into 
the valley of Baca. Blessed are those whose heart is set on pilgrimage, and you're willing to endure the valley of Baca all the way to the other side. On the other side of that valley of Baca, well, we know what happens. It says here that these are the people that, that when they do this, they make it a place of springs. By the time you, you go through this, the, this valley where it was dry and weary and full of tears becomes a place of springs and life. Now, Part of what's going, I'm going to tell you part of my observation right now. There's been a tremendous amount of falling away from the Lord in recent days. By the way, hey church, stop being surprised when the Bible says, in the last days, many will depart from the faith. Can we just get clear about this? I keep hearing people like, whoa, what is going on? Hello? I know this sounds like bad news, but can I give you some good news? Jesus is coming back. I mean, Jesus said, in the last days, like he, he, he warned, he says, in the many, many, not a few, many are going to, they were in the faith, and they're going to depart from the faith. I'll tell you what happens. When you hit this valley of Baca, there are a lot of people that hit the valley of Baca, and there are a lot of reasons people get into that valley of weeping. I'll be honest. Some people get in here because there are things in God's word that we don't like. I, I'll be honest. There are things in this Bible that go against my grain. There are things in this where me and God disagree. And when me and God disagree, there can be a weeping in my soul. There can be a grieving. There can be a mourning. Like, no, I wish it wasn't like this. To which God says, yeah, you disagree with me in some ways, and you disagree with me in other ways, and you disagree with me in other ways. What following Jesus means is we come, and it, honestly, it's hard to bow your knees and sometimes with weeping say, Jesus, not me, but you are Lord. So when me and Jesus disagree about money, or me and Jesus disagree about sexuality, or me and Jesus disagree about how I need to treat people, when me and Jesus disagree about my enemies, guess who has to win that argument? What a lot of, what, I'm just going to tell you if, you, if you, if you're wondering if I'm telling you the truth, in the parable of the sower in Mark chapter 4, Jesus said there are some people that the, the seed is sown and at first it sprouts up, but it's shallow and so it, it can't endure. And he says those with the shallow soil are those that when tribulation for the, for, because of the word of God comes, they fall away. A lot of people right now are falling away because when God's word says what we don't want about our enemies, sexuality, money, how we treat people, it's easier to leave the valley of Baca and say, no, I'm not going to endure this. I'm not going to go to the others. What I'm telling you is this. If you would be willing to endure the valley of Baca, there will be weeping. There's going to be difficulty. It takes endurance. It takes like, oh, God, I'm wrestling with this. This isn't how my family raised me. This isn't. But the question, sons of Korah, is are you willing to leave your father's house? Are you willing to leave the culture that you came from? Are you willing to leave the tendencies of your past? Are you willing to leave maybe even the very things that it feels so core to what you've been about. And you say, well, I, I feel like I was, I was just born an angry person. Yeah, but you've got to be born again. Right. The issue isn't how you were born. The issue is that you've got to get born again. And when you get born again, it, sometimes it's, it, I don't know if you've ever seen a baby born. They come out weeping, screaming. And there's something appropriate. Blessed are those whose strength is in you. I don't want to, I'm not trying to put too much on this, but blessed are those who they find their strength in him. As they go through the valley of Baca, they make it a place of, of springs. 
I was in, in seminary with a guy, and I, I remember this guy in, in grad school, he was, you know, it, was describing one year for, they said, what do you want for Christmas? He said, for Christmas, I want my faith back. He just with tears in his eyes, he's like, I just don't believe anymore. And I'm asking God for my faith back. And God gave it to him. It was beautiful. Maybe someone's watching right now and you need your faith back. Maybe you're in Tampa or Orlando and you need your faith back. Number one, how, how do we become the people that find God's blessing? We, we Develop a habit of getting in his presence. Read your Bible every day this year. Have a quiet time. Make, make it a point to come to some of our prayer meetings and, and be in church and things like that. Number two, prepare your heart to endure difficulty. This week I was talking to uh, a guy that knows Tony Dungy very well. And Tony Dungy, of course, was the, the coach of the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. That I, I grew up in St. Pete, and, and the Tampa Bay Bucks uh, have forever been the armpit of the NFL. And until that man came and became the coach of the Bucks. Now, he never won a Super Bowl with the Bucks, but he was hired on, and, as, and you can keep his picture up there. He's a godly man, he's a Christian man, and he decided he was going to live uh, his life and even do his coaching by the principles of the Bible, and he was not gonna be mean, wasn't gonna be, I mean, if any of you have read any of his stuff, that's just a godly follower of Jesus. Really, really great guy. Well, they were enduring a season where they, you know, they, had a win they were winning, but they weren't winning as much as everybody wanted. They, he had definitely taken them out of the, the basement of the NFL, but it wasn't turning out as everything that they would want, and there was a lot of pressure that was on him at one point, and, and at one point, there was all kinds of drama that was going on, and this guy came to him, and, and when he, when Everyone else is freaking out. Tony Dungy, he just had love and joy and peace and patience and kindness and goodness and faithfulness and gentleness and self-control. And so one of the guys, that, one of the staff people there is like, what in the world is going on? How are you acting like this when there's a circus going on all around? To which he said, sometimes God allows a circus so other people can see there's another way to respond. When I walk through the valley of Baca, sometimes the world needs to watch when there's a circus going on at your job, at least one person that shows them that their strength is not in the absence of a circus, but their strength is in the presence of their God. Isn't our world starving for this right now? For a, a people that say, everybody's got COVID. Oh my gosh, if you travel, the flights get canceled. The flights, been, I mean, when people, if you're flying right now and, they, and your flight gets delayed, you say, I can't believe this is happening. Just to let you know, you got a 42.7% chance it's gonna happen. Stop acting like it's a surprise. I can't believe another person got COVID. Just so you know, there's a very high, they're saying every single person you know is going to get COVID. Why don't we stop being surprised when we hit the valley of Baca and say, oh, what in the world? And why don't we start becoming the people that we find our strength in him and we endure, we endure, and we become like Tony Dungy that in the middle of a desert, we produce springs that other people get to drink and say, what meaneth this? Number one, develop a habit this year of getting in his presence. Number two, uh, prepare your heart to endure difficulty. This is the two of the things I look for in this fast. Number one, to bump up my abiding and dwelling in the Lord. Number two, to have there be an appropriate amount of weeping over my sin, over our difficulties. There's appropriate grief right now, friends. There are people that are, that are dying. There are people that are suffering and 
There's something appropriate about enduring the valley of Baca. But number three, the way that we, we ultimately do it is in verse 12, it says, oh Lord, blessed are those, blessed is the one who trusts in you. Number three, make the decision to trust God. I love how it says in verse 10, for a day in your courts is better than a thousand elsewhere. I would rather be a doorkeeper in the house of my God than to dwell in the tents of wickedness. I would rather be the usher. I would rather be opening the door. I'd rather be the doorkeeper in the house of God. I love this about the sons of Korah because it's the ultimate reversal of their father's curse. Their father Korah He was a priest in the house of the Lord, but that was not enough. He wanted to be the high priest. But the sons of Kor are now saying, God, your presence is so good that if all I got to do was open the door for people to come in, it would be enough for me. There's this humility that the sons of Kor have. They're like, God, just to be in the same room with you, whether make me much, make me little, it doesn't matter as long as I've got you prosper me, let me have nothing. I know how to be a base and I know how to abound. I can do all things through Christ who gives me strength. Make the decision to trust the Lord. He says in verse 11, for the Lord God is a sun and a shield. That means he's protection and provision. He's a sun that brings growth. He's a shade that's gonna, that's gonna bring help and protection from harm. And, and, and here's, here's the verse. No good thing does he withhold from those who walk uprightly. Would you say that with me? No good thing does he withhold from those who walk uprightly. I want you to believe this. Say it again. No good thing does he withhold from those who walk uprightly. Mike, what do you want me to believe during this fast? No good thing does he withhold from those who walk uprightly. Mike, are you sure? Oh, I am sure. No good thing does he withhold from those who walk uprightly. Uprightly. Mike, what, what can I expect during this fast that no good thing does he withhold from those who walk uprightly? What can I expect in 2022? Is COVID about to be over? I'm not sure, but I'll tell you this. No good thing does he withhold from those who walk uprightly. Who's blessed? It's not hashtag blessed, I'm in a relationship. Hashtag blessed, I'm in a new car. Hashtag blessed, I'm in a cool house. It's hashtag blessed, I am in the Lord. (laughs) Look at someone, say you're blessed. Let me just call us right now. If, if you're wondering, how would I apply this sermon? I'd like to call us. Would you join us in these next 20 days? There's 20 days left. And I would call this 20 days of extraordinary seeking of God. We are having a time of fasting and prayer. And there are people in our church that are fasting, not eating food, for 21 straight days. There are people doing that. Some of you are doing that. God bless you awesome. A lot of people, there might be multiple people that are. Some of you are going to be doing one or two or three. I I am interested in you fasting, but I'm also interested in you understanding we've taken these first three weeks to be a time of extraordinary seeking of God. What I mean by that is whatever your ordinary would be, will you just do extra? For these next 21 days, if you normally don't have a quiet time every day, start having a quiet time every day. Have like a time where you say, okay, I'm going to open my Bible. I'm going to take some time listening to God. I'm going to pray. If you've never tried it, trust me, something wild is going to happen. 
If you've never come to any of our prayer meetings, come to some of our prayer meetings. We have one Wednesday. We have one the following Monday and Wednesday. Then we have one the following Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday. So if you've never been a part of the, or Wednesday, Thursday, whatever that is, if if you've never been a part, come and and jump in some of those. The the church is open for prayer in the mornings. The hub is open in the mornings and in the noontime. If you're you're in town and you're able to come, maybe you just come and say, I'm going to give one or two hours a week just to kind of sit in the prayer room and pray with the church. Whatever your ordinary would be, I'm asking for the next 21 days, extraordinary. By the way, even if you're not fasting, you could, you could still be eating lunch and still come and you could eat a sandwich real quick and then come and give us 45 minutes of extraordinary seeking of God during those times. Maybe as families, you never really pray a lot together. What if you just said, hey, at least three times a week, we're going to extraordinarily pray together as a family. Maybe you don't pray every night together as a couple, but for these 21 days, you just say, you know what? For 21 days, I'm laying my hands on my wife. My wife is laying her hands on me, and we're speaking blessing over one another. Extraordinary seeking of God during this time. Maybe you're going to give up meals. Maybe you're going to give up extra time. What I can tell you is this. If you do, no good thing does he withhold from those who walk uprightly. Mike, how can you know that? And here's how I know that. The reason I know that is because Jesus would come hundreds of years after this was described, where these sons of Kor are describing a, a longing to be in the temple of God, in the tabernacle of God, and Jesus would come and say, destroy this temple, and I will raise it up in three days. Jesus said, in other words, when you come to me, I am the new temple. That temple that the sons of Korah were making a pilgrimage to get to Jerusalem, to get to the temple, to get up there and experience the presence of God. The Israelites for generations knew you could only get the presence of God by going to the temple. And Jesus says, I am the temple. When you come to me, you've got access to what the sons of Korah were longing for. Destroy this temple, he says. Mike, how can I know that God is no good thing will he withhold? Because Romans 8 says, if God is for us, who can be against us? He who did not spare his own son but gave him up for us all, how will he not also graciously give us all things? Those who see the blessing, hashtag blessing. Those who see the blessing are those who seek the Lord. Dwell in his presence during this fast, in this extraordinary time of consecration. Prepare your heart to endure, weep if necessary, but then make the decision to trust. Lord, I believe your word, and no good thing do you withhold from those who walk uprightly. You guys can take it from here down in Orlando and Tampa. You guys can take it and and call people to faith. For all of you that are watching us here in person, I, I just wanted to end it with, with a discipleship moment that discipled me. I started following Jesus in the 1990s, and I just fell for Jesus, and I started listening to Christian radio, and I know a lot of people think that's uncool. That's okay. It helped disciple me, and there was a guy that came on the radio every day whose name was Larry Burkett. I'm not sure if anybody remembers Larry Burkett, but he was a he was a financial guy. Now, I had never been a follower of Jesus, and I didn't know very much, but I started following Larry Burkett. Larry Burkett led a ministry called Christian Financial Concepts. That is where I learned to give God the first 10%. That is where I learned to stay away from debt because it's stupid. That is where I learned a lot of these principles. And I was recently reading about Larry Burkett, who discipled me in my first year. 
And I was just wild, it was wild to me when I was reading a story of who are some people that just sought the Lord, and he was the example because there was an unexpected merger that took place between Christian Financial Concepts and the organization that was his big competitor, which is called Crown Financial. And these two came together, and they had always been his competition. And when they asked him, why did you do this? Why did you just let that go? And you guys all merged. After he had built his ministry for 25 years, and yet he said, I'd rather just be a doorkeeper in the house of my God. He learned, he said, I have to just let things go. He said, my greatest fear in life is standing before the Lord and hearing him say, I had so much more for you, but you held on too tightly. But it's easier to let go of what you know does not belong to you. Those that were closest to him, they said that he made a series of decisions in life that acted like a doorkeeper that just let things go. When he originally had a business before he went into ministry, he sold his business. He made $2 million on the sale of his business. He gave all of the sale of his business. He made $2 million. He gave all $2 million away. And they said, why would you go and do that after selling this business? Why don't you just use that as like a buffer or whatever? He said he wanted to fully depend on God because he knows that God is trustworthy. He once had another Christian that was suing him, or another Christian that had plagiarized him and was using his stuff to make money, and he could have easily sued him for plagiarism. And when they asked him, why don't you sue him? He said, I will not, because they're all God's ideas anyway, and maybe they're gonna reach more people through him. I'll just die to it. I'm just a doorkeeper in the house of the Lord. And I was reflecting on Tony Dungy, and I was reflecting on Larry Burkett, and I was reflecting on the sons of Korah, And I just need you to know that here it is, Larry Burkett's been dead for years now, and I rise up and call him blessed because he knew that blessed is the man who dwells in his courts, and blessed is the man whose strength is in you, and blessed is the one who trusts in you. And into this year, I'm going to call us to put our faith in the Lord and to watch what he will do because no good thing does he withhold from those who trust in him. Amen? Let's pray. I got a couple really directions right now as we close out this service. The first one is there are some of you that love Jesus, but your desire for him has grown weak. You might need to find a a quiet place, maybe even before you leave, because if there was a time in your life, perhaps, when, when your desire for him was hotter or stronger and and you know it's grown weak. Maybe you need to pray a prayer like that friend that said, I, I desire to desire again because I just don't desire him. Maybe you need to ask him for fresh desire. Maybe you need to ask him for that freshness. What's so great about him is he'll give it. He just loves us. He'll give it. He's not angry. He's not mad. He's not shaming. He's like, man, I, my, my doors are open. If you want to come, you're welcome. Perhaps you need to find a quiet place before you leave just to take a moment and say, God, I want my first love back. I want, I want that fire again. There's some of you that I'd really like you to pray before, the, before you even click off the screen on your phone or on your computer at home or here in person that, that you would ask God what extraordinary might look like for the next 21 days. Maybe come and join us tomorrow morning at 7 or noon and we're going to be praying here. Maybe you're just going to have some extraordinary prayer, Bible reading, fasting. God's going to move. But perhaps you're here and you've never put your trust in Jesus himself. Maybe you're watching right now and you've never put all of your trust in him. I call you to do it. 
Larry Burkett would say, you won't be sorry. Tony Dungy ended up getting fired, but then he got hired by the Indianapolis Colts and went on to win a Super Bowl without compromising any of his principles because no good thing does he withhold from those who trust in him. If you're here and you've never put all of your faith in Jesus, what I'm telling you is he will not hold back on you, so don't hold back on him.